1: Welcome Auburn into this Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, and I've got Brooks Childress on the show with me today. Uh, we have another shortened edition of Sports Call this afternoon. This time because of Auburn University softball. Auburn softball will start around 4:45 today. They are in the Eastern Time Zone in Gainesville, Florida. J.J. Jackson will be on the call all weekend long, so you will hear his beautiful voice right here on Tiger 95.9 as if it never left starting at 445. We will be getting off air at 415. We've also got some responsibilities on another one of our stations at 430 on 99.9 Kate FM, a doubleheader of Smith Station Baseball taking on Auburn High I believe Smith Station's Panthers won uh, that first game yesterday. So they're going to look for a series victory over in Auburn tonight. And so that coverage will start just before 4.30. So, again, we'll be busy here this afternoon and evening with with the batted ball sports. And, of course, over on FM Talk 93.9, a little less responsibility on our end as the Auburn Sports Network has full coverage for you of Auburn and Texas A&M, first of hopefully three inside of Plainsman Park, weather permitting this weekend. So these Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday series getting underway today. And so again, we'll be off air at 4.15. Coming up a little bit later on the show, of course, birthdays and sports. As always, Nightly TV guy will also reveal this week's Sports Calls Player of the Week. And uh, we'll kind of hang out talking a little Masters, talking a little spring game, and anything else that might come up in just the brief amount of time. We'll be with you today. Again, Ryan and Brooks with you. Brooks, uh, we've been watching a good bit of golf today. I uh, hope you're doing well, and uh, I know uh, last year we had a really funny uh, discourse about the Masters when we had a more crowded studio. But uh, we, we we certainly appreciate this tournament a lot. We're excited to be watching the Masters this week.
2: Absolutely, it is. As I think Tom Peavy said it earlier this week, one of the greatest sports weeks of the year with the Masters on. Just you know, we we've, we've got it on the studio Phil Mickelson just missed an eagle by half an inch maybe uh on a putt so it's it's been a fun tournament so far uh all everybody's out so there's nobody left to tee off uh Jordan Spieth his group was the last one he's at three under right now John Rum, he uh he started off not well and then he charged back through the field he's tied for the lead at seven under in the clubhouse with uh Victor Hovland who was in Tiger Woods group Tiger finished at what two over on the day uh, for the first round and so he, you know, he, he had he had a couple good shots. Back, you said back-to-back birdies uh, in the in the back half of his round, and so you know there, he's always got a crowd following him. But it's just it's a fun day. We've been, you know, ESPN's done a good job with their uh, opening coverage, opening uh, round coverage of the Masters. I had a uh, pimento cheese sandwich for lunch from a local establishment, and so I am uh, happy. And it, it's uh, it's Masters Week. It's it's so fun, and of course. You know, we, we've we've got the Masters, and it seems like every year with the Masters comes the spring game. Every Saturday of every of the Masters is the eight day spring game, and so we're we getting set for that. The uh, video got posted today on Auburn football socials, kind of detailing what was going to happen, the, the timeline of events. Uh, the most interesting thing is that they're gonna they're gonna start the game. I think coverage on the Auburn Sports Network starts at one o'clock. They are going to start the game about one twenty, and it is going to be a sixty-minute running clock, no quarters, and it's it's so it's going to fly. So you and and you better you know if you're going to the game. I know weather uh, is maybe keeping some people' decision on hold right now to see if they're going to go or not. Uh, but if you're going, the the action's going to fly around the field. It's going to be fun. Also, the the other fun thing is that apparently, you know, you're going to get out there. The defensive team is going to start with a 24 to nothing lead when you started off, and the offense has got to score points. And so you're going to get to see what uh what this offense looks like playing from behind and seeing if they the urgency there. So it they got some uh, some cool things going on with the the spring game this weekend and try to get some urgency there because. You know, we we've talked about it before. I think you know most of the most of our listeners, most of the Auburn fans know it's a glorified practice. It's a way to get people excited for the upcoming football season when you're in the middle of uh, springtime and you're still you know a hundred and some odd days away from uh, from kickoff of that first uh, football game inside Jordan Stadium. But you know the Hugh Freeze era, it started in December I guess and now the the first time you're going to get to see Hugh Freeze's uh, offense and this team on the field is this Saturday so we can't wait to talk about all that can't wait to talk to all of our callers of course as you said uh, short show so get your calls in early and often can't wait to talk to you
1: and uh, we will start with the the spring game as Brooks just alluded to and just mentioned uh, the format being a little bit different than in years past or with how most teams operate their spring game given the defense a 24-0 lead and not really doing switching teams and switching sides of the ball and that sort of thing. Uh, kind of just offense, various offensive units going after various defensive units and seeing if the defense can keep the lead throughout the course of play. And, yes, 60 consecutive minutes there running clock. I don't know if there will be any way to stop that clock if they have timeouts or anything like that. But pretty much we'll wrap things up in, in about an hour's time. Now, as Brooks also alluded to, uh, there is uh, – I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I I hope people can attend. I I hope that the weather ends up not being as bad as it is forecast to be, but there is no way around that Saturday is looking to be uh, a very formidable day in terms of Mother Nature showing some teeth. Uh, It is going to be wet. Moist. uh, If you prefer that. (laughs) Yeah. there's going to be a good bit of rain starting uh, late Friday night into Saturday. Probably about a half inch of rain on Saturday. Uh, really going to be pretty much, an all day thing, maybe a little clearing in the evening. But that's not going to really affect the A-Day part of it too much. And on top of that, uh, if you don't mind a little rain in the spring, that normally makes some sense, usually some comfortable temperatures. But tomorrow's not going to be, or excuse me, Saturday's not going to be comfortable, unfortunately. It's going to be highs in the mid-50s. And uh, struggling to even get there, and uh, this time yesterday we were thinking highs in the upper fifties. Now it's low low to mid fifties, so it's it's progressively getting worse temperature wise, and winds at ten to twenty miles per hour. Uh, so that is very unfortunate. I think that's going to clearly hurt the crowd a little bit. It's going to hurt everything Auburn has planned for Saturday, with the Frank Thomas statue being unveiled at ten a.m. outside of Plainsman Park, and then a, a baseball game that is supposed to shortly follow a day and uh, we talked a little bit about this with anthony yesterday anthony's you know had the idea of really putting a big time event on for spring games when you uh hopefully in the future play a different school and uh you you bring just a big show and make a big big event about it uh it's hard to do that unfortunately uh you can have the best plans in the world and then rain and weather can can take you right out of those plans so I, I, look, it's not going to be severe weather, so they're going to end up doing something uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and they're going to end up trying to get a baseball game in at some point. Uh, but it is not going to be uh, good conditions at all on Saturday. And then, unfortunately, you know something big like Eddie, you can't just move that. And then with baseball, uh, you normally if you have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, you could move it to Sunday quite reasonably. That's usually when the series take place, but you're – You've got Easter Sunday this this Sunday and not really at the top of the priority list is to try and get baseball done on Easter. So I, it is an unfortunate weather situation. But back to the, the game part of it, uh, we constantly talk and kind of pedal both sides of, hey, this is cool, uh, this is football, let's learn some things. But also we pedal the other side and say, hey – this is ultimately a long way removed from the next season. Uh, sometimes guys that have big spring days don't even end up playing in the fall. And if you listen to Hugh Freeze earlier today in the interview, he, st- he, he kind of put out four or five different positions that Auburn is looking to be active in the portal with in terms of trying to add another player to. two. So uh, in this day and age college football, you're not even looking at the complete roster just yet. So with all of that in mind uh, – Brooks, if you're assessing assuming you get everything in the way you want to without the weather bothering it uh, yeah what I mean what what are the things that you're looking forward to about Saturday or or anything that interests you about just seeing publicly Auburn uh, play some football for sixty minutes
2: yeah um I, I just you know with especially with this new um this new format where you're going to come out and the offensive team you know not switching sides or anything it's not team orange versus blue or anything it is strictly defense versus offense and you're it's the offense you're going to be putting a 24 to nothing hole the the thing is i want i would like to see is just how they can move the ball down the field on the on the defense and the the offensive side of the ball can they can put up some points and uh, Coach Freeze talked earlier this week at, at his media session. You're not going to see, you know, everything they're going to run this fall. It's going to be very uh, – he didn't say vanilla, but, that you know, you could assess from the words it's going to be very vanilla. They don't have their whole offense put in there. As you said, there's position groups out there that he talked about uh, that he still is going to be looking at, you know, trying to bring some guys in the portal. And so you're not even going to be working with who all you, you think is going to be there. So maybe you bring in a guy at, in, through the portal over the, the off season. Uh, Before fall camp, that you know he's got a different skill set that you didn't have in the spring. You're like, well, maybe now we can do some some of this with the offense because we didn't have that uh, earlier this in in the spring when we were trying to you know put together this offense. And so I just want to make I want to see all three you know three or four however many units on offense there are that they can move the ball, they can look you know the plays that they're given, they can look you know cohesive, and they can. You know, have some results. Uh, I, I don't want them to go out and, you know, put up 35 straight points uh, b- on the defense because then you're, then you le- and like Q3 said earlier this week, you, you're left thinking, well, now the defense kind of looks bad. And so it, it's, it's going to be, you know, when you're playing, when you're going up against yourself, there's not going to be, there's going to be some winners and there's going to be some losers. One side of the ball, you're going to come out of this and saying, they need to, you know, kind of pick it up a little bit because they, they kind of got dominated there. Um, and so I, for offense, because you're bringing in, you know, because Hugh Freeze, Phillip Montgomery, this is a whole new offense. The only thing that's that's uh, the same is uh, uh, your running back's coach, Cadillac Williams, and your top running back, which is Jarquez Hunter, and I guess, you know, your quarterbacks, uh, but it's a different offense. And, and so – it's um. I, I want the offense to look cohesive. I want it to you know look good, moving the the football down the field, uh. But I don't want them to just go and run all over that defense because then you're going to be left thinking, well, this defense looks you know sus- suspect to whatever you know, is going to happen this year. It, the the most overall thing is you, whatever happens on the field, good or bad, you got to take with more than a grain of salt. Probably like a, a, a a good full shaker, like a, like a handful of salt. Okay. Uh, but it's still it's still salt at the end of the day. It it's not gonna you, whatever you see on Saturday, in Jordan Hare Stadium, rain or shine, with the offense defense side of the ball is not what you're gonna see come September when you hit that first game against UMass. And so yeah, it it's it, you're really just looking for a little bit of cohesion with both both sides of the foot, uh, football.
1: Yeah, it's just so dang hard to know uh, where exactly uh, you are now. It gets a little cloudier when you have a new coaching staff because you don't know what they're maybe working on uh, more aggressively in the spring. Maybe you don't know exactly how far along they're they're coaching these positions. But I will say, what you I feel like what you've got to do when you're assessing things in the spring is you've got to go back and look at the last team because we are still closer to the end of last season than we are the beginning of next season. So in my mind... I've still got to operate under the assumptions of what we saw at the end of last year. Okay. And now look, now the end of last year was the best part of the team last year because they fought for Cadillac Williams. They played better football in the month of November and they were far more competitive. But overall, that was a five and seven football team. So what were its weaknesses? Well, it it could not throw the football, it was not a good offensive line. It was a wide receiving core that left something to be desired. A good backfield, but at times bottled up, depending on offensive line play. Uh, Defensively, you had some pretty good pass rushing elements. Uh, You you did not have maybe the depth you wanted at linebacker. You saw some good moments out of the DB. So you ask yourselves, and we kind of did this earlier this week with the power rankings, all right, find me one or two positions that you're pretty darn confident at this point in time. They're not that good. And find me one or two position groups at this point in time you feel are 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 strong points for the team and you've got to operate under those assumptions coming into this that those things are still true based off of last year now if we were doing this in august you have a full year to develop your weeks before the season you know maybe you can't do this exercise but the way i look at it is although there are still players that are moved on and, and it's it's still imperfect because all right what what helped make the pass rush so good last year Derek hall not not at auburn anymore uh, you know what? In a, there are clear differences in the team. A lot of those offensive linemen are gone off of last year's team. A lot of new blood in there. So I get it's still an imperfect exercise, but I don't think that you can rush to the conclusion of, okay, something is vastly different in just a few weeks of spring practice from last year's team. If it is vastly different, then that's a hell of a coaching job already, and that's that's a good sign. But yeah. uh, I, So I operate under this team. This is still a team that would function similar to last year's team at this point in time. So what I will tell you is this. If there are wide receivers wide open, okay, what, what did we know from last year? All right? We thought the DBs were pretty good. We thought the wide receivers were not very good. All right? So if the wide receivers were running wide open this year, I would be optimistic about what I'm seeing because I have that base understanding that I feel like the DBs are pretty good. And there's a lot of experience there. I think that wouldn't tell me yeah. that the DBs are significantly worse because they're all about the same. In fact, one of the few players they added back there, Kyan Lee, is getting rave reviews. So that... Feels like one of the strong points of the team. What it might tell me, though, is hey, actually the wide receivers are taking the heart. What Heather dennich said about them on Twitter and what people think about them, and maybe they are improving um, there. So that would be an example of something I would say. Okay, I, I'm not going to press panic on that, even though I came into this spring thinking wide receivers would not be a, a strong point. I am more confident that the defensive backs are not going to fall off a cliff than I am that the wide receivers are unsavable. I don't believe they're unsavable. So those are the things I try to reference mm-hmm. when we're trying to examine what should a panic meter be or uh, or it, how optimistic should you be in a certain position group. You know what would get rid of a lot of this? Is if you didn't have to play yourself <laughs> in the spring. You wouldn't have to worry about, well, this looks like it's improving, but this looks like it's regressing, and I, now I'm confused, and – well, we wouldn't have to be confused if we were playing other teams. But we might get there one day. We will see. And uh, it is still uh, very much worth watching. And I just hope – I'll tell you another thing that I just thought of on the fly here. I'm going too long. This is a short show and I need to shut up and get <laughs> to our first break. Is that with the rainy conditions, what's something that everyone and their brother wants to see on Saturday and just throughout the entirety of of auburn football throughout the spring and summer probably passing yeah they want (laughs) they want to see how those quarterbacks coming along you know know it's really hard to judge when it's wet and slippery and windy the passing game (laughs) is not going to be the best conditions for that i'm sure they will try because why not try you know there's no consequence uh to poor passing or to slippage and all that but uh, it is not going to be conducive to aiding the quarterbacks in their seemingly or, or, or in their development process. So that also is something I just thought of on the fly is I would be really impressed if quarterbacks just cut through the air, uh, through the rain, through the wind, and had really good days on Saturday. Maybe you could read a little bit more into it. Maybe you could say it's wet ball. Who It's not the same. I don't know. But that is a, uh, a potentially d- deterring factor, too, so, in other words, I don't like the weather forecast. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes the weather forecast. And, again, it's going to uh, make things a little more difficult on Saturday. But, nevertheless, we shall uh, we shall wait and see. Got to take our first commercial break of the show today. When we come back, birthdays and sports coming up a little bit. Also, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. Stay tuned. More of Thursday's Sports Call coming up right after this.
0: Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan LeVoy and Brooks Childress with you here. Again, short show going off air around 4.15 today. So let's keep the show rolling along. Let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for
0: today's birthdays in sports.
1: Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union on the docket for today. Sterling Sharp turns 58. Wide receiver, 7th overall pick in the 1988 88 NFL draft to the Green Bay Packers out of South Carolina. Let's go came Cox. Spent entire seven year career with Green Bay. Sharp is a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first team All-Pro, three-time NFL receptions leader, two-time NFL receiving touchdown leader, 1992 NFL receiving yards leader, member of the Packers Hall of Fame. His number two is retired by South Carolina and he's a 2014 College Football Hall of Fame inductee. Sterling Sharp turns 58 today. Burt Blylevin turned 72, third-round pick of the Minnesota Twins in the 1969 MLB draft out of high school. Also played for the Texas Rangers, Pittsburgh Pirates, Cleveland Indians, and California Angels in 22 seasons. Blylevin is a two-time World Series champ, two-time All-Star, pitched a no-hitter, On September the 22nd, 1977, was the AL strikeout leader in 1985. Minnesota Twins Hall of Famer, number 28, is retired by the Twins and was a National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee in 2011. Also did TV color commentary for the Twins for 25 years. Burt Blylevin turns 72 today. Brett Boone turns 54 He was a former second baseman, fifth-round selection to the Seattle Mariners in the 1990 MLB Draft out of USC. Fight on. Also played for the Cincinnati Reds, Atlanta Braves, San Diego Padres, Minnesota Twins over 14 seasons. He was a three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove Award winner and two-time Silver Slugger and 2001 American League RBI leader. Brett Boone turns 54 today. And Spencer Dinwiddie turns 30. Current NBA point guard, second round pick in the 2014 NBA draft of the Detroit Pistons out of Colorado. Go Deion Sanders. Thought you were gonna say buffs, but okay. Yeah. At Colorado, Denwitty was first team all Pac-12 in 2013. In the NBA, Dinwiddie has also played for the Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards, and Dallas Mavers. Spencer Denwitty is 30 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union against Sterling Sharp, Burt Blylevin, Brett Boone, and Spencer Dinwiddie.
2: I got to keep you on your toes sometimes. If you, you do. expect me going go in one direction. I'm, I'm going to veer off and go to the right.
1: And Dion's cool, but I also like just calling the Buffaloes the Buffs. The Buffs. So that's just, I don't know. Also,
2: but, that was Spencer Dinwiddie, which is a basketball player, decidedly not the sport that Ron right, Sanders right. is affiliated with, either of
1: them. But hey, oh well. I mean, i appreciate the creativity all right before we take take our next break let's also get to this week's sports calls player of the week and it's someone that we've talked a little bit about earlier this week
0: UConn Ford
1: Adama Sunogo is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Sunogo and the Huskies were dominant in their NCAA tournament run, winning their six games by an average of 20 points, becoming the first team to win every game they played by at least 13 points in NCAA tournament history. Over those games, Sunogo averaged 19.7 points and 9.8 rebounds, being named Most Outstanding Player of the Final Four. His four double-doubles helped lead UConn to its fifth national title since 1999. Adama Sunogo is Sports Call's Player of the Week. You heard it there, Sinogo, this week's Player of the Week. Sometimes or, or usually we already vote on Mondays and uh, we, we make it official. Some of us already did. And, and Brooks had already voted, and I think Tom had already voted, but no one else had voted. And uh, then a late uh, a late amendment there from Monday night was, hey, let's, let's give the guy that won Most Outstanding Player the final four, the, the Player of the Week. And then a slew of votes came in. We, a, had right in, we had the
2: right. Uh, we had the mail-in ballots come in, and yeah. we had to count those
1: late. Uh, that's yeah, exactly. And uh, so Sonogo wins player of the week, and also too. I don't know what the statute of limitations should be, but uh, for performance from Monday would have been rough to then talk about like ten days later the next week. So it would have been like, hey, remember when this happened when everyone <laughs> when everyone still cared about basketball? Now you've moved on.
2: Plus, you know, if if you're looking at it, if you if you know if you were a a person that supported uh, that was a hard line, you know, oh, he's got to win Player of the Week. In that week leading up, you would have had the Monday night performance. You would have said, okay, Player of the Week. Well, what happens at the end of this week? The Masters. Right. And that usually garners a lot of uh, Player of the Week votes from the staff, too. And so the national champion could have gotten uh, buried under the the stack of whoever wins the Masters this weekend, as long as it's not Patrick Reed. Yeah, I I
1: wouldn't vote for that (laughs) cheater uh, for anything, but – uh, to b- before we belabor <laughs> the point, uh, Adama Sinogo, Player of the Week, outstanding performance from him and really the entire Connecticut team uh, throughout the NCAA tournament. Again, reminders about winning every game by double digits. Yep. Won every game outside of conference play by double digits, and uh, Sinogo with two double doubles there in the Final Four. Uh, again, they, they it was more of a bounce attack than some teams, but Sinogo did lead the way there. Uh, physically imposing and just a solid player like I it it wasn't that he was ever overused I never really felt like he was all the way underused too like he was just used the right amount he was Johnny on the spot uh, provided some defense again the physicality uh, and, and they had a pretty good backup big to give him a blow from time to time I think I just just every I mean look you're dominant as they were but I think everything just kind of lined up for his success and, and for UConn's success.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at his his uh, week, was two, the Final Four game and the National Championship game was named the Final Four MLP. Uh, played in both games, like you said, double-double uh, for both of them, 38 points overall on the weekend, 20 rebounds overall on the weekend. Just, just a dominating performance. He didn't lead the score. That's the that's the thing. Is in the national title game, he didn't lead the Yukon Huskies in scoring. Uh, I think that was Tristan Newton led them in scoring by two points. I think he scored nineteen. Sinogo scored seventeen. But he he was his uh, his presence on that basketball court really all year long. I, I take you inside some inside baseball throughout the week on my phone. I've got a notes app on my or a notes uh, tab on my phone that is player of the week. Uh, Candidates that I, you know, I'll, I'll be watching stuff, and I'm like, that was a great performance. He's going to be, you know, if he can do, you know, do some more of that, like, if it's basketball or baseball or somewhere, you've got several games a week. You're like, if he can, you know, have another pretty good performance this week, I'm going to, you know, keep him in mind or keep her in mind. Uh, but Sonogo, I can tell you, almost every week during the uh, during the regular season college basketball, his name made an appearance at least once on my on on that list. He was dominant all year long, and then it. it you know crescendoed into dominant performance at the final four uh getting past miami and then through to the uh for a national title uconn's fifth national title ties them with uh indiana and some other school for five national titles on the year or on the on the uh in college basketball history and yeah they uh saw helped them solidly get placed in that uh what we talked about earlier this week are they a blue blood debate so Sanogo Sports Call player responsible
1: of the week. for a lot there, yeah. L- Greatly responsible for UConn's success, and again, one of the more dominant title runs you'll see. We saw kind of one similar a couple years ago from Baylor. I think Baylor won all their games by double digits, smacked Gonzaga in the title game. Another one that's near, near my heart was North Carolina in 09, smacked a bunch of people around. I think they won one game by nine, maybe, but they also won every other game by more than 15. So, again, pretty similar similar run so uh, one of the more dominating title runs uh, of the last couple decades and Dama Sinogo had a lot to do that do with that he is sports calls player of the week one final timeout here in the three o'clock hour a little bit of an extended segment coming up in just a moment and again we're off the air at 415 so if you want to get your phone calls in 334 887 341 locally toll free one 9 Tiger 9 sports call continues in a moment
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Final segment of our number one here of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan Lavoie brooks Childress with you here. uh, Final 10 or 12 minutes of the hour. Again, getting off at 4.15, Auburn softball at Florida. 4.45, airtime right here. J.J. Jackson on the call. And then over on FM Talk 93.9, is it 6.45 tonight? 6.45, or, 645 yeah, it's a late tonight. A little bit later at Plainsman Park, Auburn and Texas A&M. We were able to give away four tickets to that game earlier this week. Hope everyone can attend that one. And that, even though there are clouds in the area, that one might be the driest one of the weekend. We don't know. Uh, rain in the forecast all three days. We hope it's not. And then over at Auburn High School, we have Smith Station Baseball. Smith Station at Auburn. A doubleheader set for tonight on wq Kate 99.9. Brant Daughtry on the call of that one, our very own, as he's the voice of the Smith Station Panthers. And uh, they got a win against Auburn High yesterday, looking for a series victory today. So very busy day for the batted ball sports on our airwaves. I want to talk a little bit about, about Auburn baseball and softball in just a moment, but Brooks, we have been talking a little masters uh today too. Um what what's your stance on PGA tour guys versus live guys? Do you, do you have you has your support of any of the live guys waned because they're in live or or do you just want to see maybe a one v one for the title between one of those guys at the end of this thing?
2: You see, I'm I'm of the uh, not a I, I guess I'm a, I'm on the group that I prefer the PGA Tour guys because I, I was not a big fan of the Live. They, it was just you know it, it's there. There's just some things you know there. It's the the funding where it comes from and everything for the Live and it, it's just it it's it's a rogue it, it, it's a rogue tour and so I I I would say my my support for the uh for the the live guys has kind of waned a little bit I didn't have a lot of guys I think I liked Phil I liked Mickelson a little bit and I liked Brooks Kepka. he's Kepka's probably the guy that I still you know kind of I, I still don't hate him uh Phil I'm not as big on anymore everybody else that went to the live tour I'm just I've never I was never a big fan of them and so it, it's it hasn't really really you know damaged my support of them because i never really supported two-thirds of them in the first place uh, i would prefer a pga tour guy win just because i'm i'm more on the the pga tour side of things i, I you know i like it i, I like their the the guys that are on there scotty scheffler who just missed a, uh, a, a i think it was a birdie putt that
1: was a par ah went
2: over one over or two two under but he went one over on the hole uh, but yeah Scotty Scheffler's you know I enjoy watching him play golf I enjoy watching Rory play golf Jordan Spieth who just chipped it out of a bunker onto the green uh I enjoy watching him play golf so I I think the only two that I and it, it, the only two golfers like I said a moment ago the only two golfers that I'm have any sort of like had any sort of positive opinion on was Phil and Brooks Kepka Phil and and again Phil was kind of dropped back off a little bit I'm I'm not as big of a Phil guy anymore but I still, I still enjoy watching Kepka play golf, but I, I'm not gonna say I, I'm not gonna say a root for him. Like I'll, I've, I'm, I've told, I think I've talked about it on here. I have sought out the Live Tour a couple times uh, since they've started their new season. I've watched it a little bit. I just don't like it. It just feels, it feels like a, it, it feels like a. a great value brand golf with big, like it, it's big names on the, on the tour, obviously, but when you watch it, it just feels like great value brand. It just, it doesn't feel like the PGA tour feels, the PGA tour feels prestigious and it feels like this is, you know, this is professional golf. Uh, the live, it just feels like, you know, it, it, and I, I think that's probably some of the, the poll is like, Oh, we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be there on the stuffy uh, guys from, from the PGA tour. But if I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not rooting for any And you know, one of my favorite golfers, Bubba Watson. He's on the Live Tour now, but I, you know, I, st- I still root for him. But he's he's at the point where he's not competitive anymore, and even in the Live, he's he's you know hitting. He's not his,
1: not in his prime.
2: He's hitting five over uh, for his rounds, and you know that's that's not getting the job done anywhere. So, the the PGA Tour guys definitely, if if it came down to it, I'm rooting for the PGA Tour guys. But there's a couple Live guys that I. would I still kind of follow but I don't actively root for them.
1: I think it speaks volumes that a couple of the least liked players in the game are the ones that went to live. Yeah. Like not a whole lot of people like Patrick Reed have alluded to that. Uh, I think The Shambo at first had some supporters and then he's just kind of turned into just kind of a butt. I mean, he just is and I don't know if he's well well liked anymore someone like Sergio Garcia kind of became a sentimental favorite uh later in his career because he still did not want anything big but still you know he he's gotten in some fights some PJ Tour guys that have not made look made Sergio look good uh there's just some in general some guys that are just not well liked over on that uh, live tour and I don't know I don't know what it says that those are some of the guys that Ended up going over there. we got four or five minutes left here in this opening hour. Again, we get off air at 4.15 today. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341, locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing?
3: Hey, good, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call and squeezing me in. All right, so real quickly, I just saw this on Auburn 247 Sports. I want to get your thoughts on it. Apparently, we are the top four finalists, I think, for a transfer basketball transfer player from Georgia by the name of Cario Oquendo. Yep. And according to the stats here from Nathan King, I mean, I'm it's it's not that glowing. Uh, the guys, you tell me, he's six foot four it says here, and uh, he was shooting forty two point six percent from the floor last uh, past two seasons it says, and twenty seven percent from D Well, twenty seven percent. Deep ain't knocking it out of uh, the ballpark here, but guys, you tell me, am I being too critical here? Is, is he a good get?
1: You know, I personally am not that interested in, in Cario Aquindo. Uh, I, I know that he is a double digit scorer in the SEC, so there is some acumen and ability there, uh, but I am very focused on getting three point guys in first. Now, I'm not saying Aquindo couldn't come in and, and maybe be a good sixth man, kind of like the other Georgia transfer KD Johnson became. Uh, at times, but uh, my focus is on getting guys in here that can shoot. And as you just noted, Aquino's sub-30% in, in both of his years at Georgia. Uh, he can really score around the rim, and, and so, again, he's not devoid of, of talent offensively. But he, he to me, is not the fit I'm looking for in the first couple guys that Auburn's trying to get out of the portal.
3: Okay, well, um, do you guys have any sense? Is Bruce Pearl – do you know if he's seriously considering him – or is this a waste of a scholarship? I mean, he knows more than we do,
1: right? I mean, if he if if Auburn's in a final four or five, they've clearly expressed their interest in him, and they're clearly at that point recruiting him. They, they, they he would not have put someone that was not actively recruiting him in, in his final four or five. And I, I do also want to note someone else in the final uh, final five or six uh, stages is is Denver Jones, someone that we've talked about on this program from uh, the Ford International kid that scored 20 a game at FIU this past year. He is a a good shooter shot 37% from 3 in in Auburn's in his final six.
3: Okay. Um who's the competitors for him?
1: Uh some big ones. I know Alabama's in there. I knew
3: and, Alabama was.
1: Right. I would have to go back and look at the other finalists, I, but uh it, it's Any it's a good bloods? list. Uh I will double check, but um
3: Okay, I just I'm just curious. Um so do you know when these young are going to be uh, announcing their commitments? Anytime soon or how soon?
1: Yeah, I think if they're uh, – so here's the list for Denver Jones, by the way. Uh, Alabama, Auburn, DePaul, Florida State, LSU, Oklahoma. So no blue bloods, but some solid programs. Um, I, I don't know on the exact dates for these guys, but I can only speculate that if they're already willing to have Final Four, Final Five type of list that's probably coming in the next couple of weeks.
3: Okay, and I see. Uh, this is where I know. You, uh, I'm hoping you're smarter than I am, uh, at least uh, weather-wise. And uh, we've got a, a, I think, a good number of five-star players who commit other teams to other programs and come to visit us this weekend for a day. Uh, but will that uh, be canceled? Will they still come on, even if a day is not uh, able to to be? Uh, Follow through with because of
1: all the rain. I saw nine percent rain. Right. Uh, no, they'll they'll definitely still be here because I think as much as the actual scrimmage or environment is it matters, the facilities matter a lot on these recruiting visits and and showing them around uh, the the football facilities and all that. So uh, those visits will absolutely still happen. It will be unfortunate that there's so much rain involved and that there there might not be a big Auburn crowd out there. Or, or at least as big of a crowd as there was going to be, because that would have helped with the atmosphere and that sort of thing. But uh, th- those kids are still interested in NIL opportunities. They're interested in facilities, meeting the coaches, just building relationship with with coaches. So those are still the more important things on a visit like that.
3: Okay. Well, I'm glad here it's so it's not that relevant. Um, what about the AD? And also the the baseball game for Saturday. Are they being rescheduled or do you know anything about that or, or cancelled?
1: Yeah, so far no cancellations or reschedules yet, but that could come tonight. That could come early tomorrow. Uh, I, I know their business as usual tonight, so if there was be a doubleheader it'd be Friday, or maybe they push the Saturday baseball game later in the day. I think I think Saturday night has a better opportunity of being drier than, than early Saturday. So there could be some schedule changes, but as of now Uh, Still, still as scheduled, everything.
3: Okay. Then uh, the baseball game for tonight. I saw rain, but uh, it'll probably still be. Will go on, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, no word of of any suspension or or uh, or anything like that. There's uh, some showers in Montgomery, and and they're scattered, so it could rain. But I don't think if if, even if it does rain tonight, I don't think it's a washout. I don't think it's all night thing.
3: Okay. um, uh, Show tomorrow, guys.
1: Uh, again another short one be done about 4:15 or 4:30 cuz it's uh of Auburn softball right after us today and tomorrow you'll, you're he'll, you're he'll, uh you'll heal good grief <laughs> you'll hear you got it. JJ uh call Auburn softball against Florida.
3: Okay, good. i am glad you mentioned because I've been watching the softball games on my uh, SC Network Plus uh and I've not heard JJ on there but I don't know if you're still doing them.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it rotates. He's he's done a good number of them, and uh, he will do all three this weekend, today, tomorrow, and Saturday.
3: Okay, good to know because uh, uh, we do miss it. I enjoy hearing him uh, and um, doing his uh, call. me. All right, guys, thank you for squeezing me in. Uh, my time is way, way up as always, but I thank you for your time as well. So until tomorrow, have a safe afternoon evening, and more you guys.
1: War Eagle, Steve. That is Retired AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time here for hour number one. Again, a very brief hour number two coming up, just a 15-or-so-minute segment to start hour number two, or I guess the complete hour number two. Again, got to get off there for Auburn softball uh, coming up in just a little bit. With Brooks Childress, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Stay tuned. One more segment of the Thursday edition of Sports Call coming up after this.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Final segment of Sports Call for this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here again. Auburn softball coming up in just a few minutes, so we only have another 10 or 12 minutes with you here today. We're going to get right to it, right back to the Auburn Bank phone line 334 887 3401 locally toll free 1 888 9 at Tiger 9. Next up on the show,
0: James from Montgomery.
1: James is with us. James, as you just heard, we've got a, uh, only 10 or 12 minutes left here in the show, so we'll have to keep it pretty <clears throat> short with you. But uh, thanks for calling us today. How are you doing?
4: I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it uh, real simple and real brief because I know we do have a short show today. So what I'm actually going to be talking about is the Auburn 8A game. And I'm actually. Going to be at the game this weekend and uh, seeing what Hugh Freeze is actually going to uh, bring to the new season for the fall for the fall of 2023 and uh, seeing some great players on on this brand new uh, Hugh Freeze roster train as well.
1: Did you see the the news about uh, how they're going to have a spring game play out?
4: Yes, I actually did see that. That uh, did come to me. Uh, yesterday on my Twitter uh, timeline, and um, my concerns on that would be, I mean, with the spring game that we're doing this weekend, I I'll probably say that they should in 2024. I should say they should keep it uh, simple and you know just like just like this weekend. I think uh, if they're going to make some changes, they need to let the fans know like ahead of like ahead of time or ahead of schedule to see uh, what teams or what universities would actually play for this spring scrimmage game in 2024. And I do have some games I would like to see play at Jordan Harris Stadium next year. I would like to see uh, Auburn play against Alabama State. I would like to see uh, Alabama play against Alabama A&M. I would like to see UAB play, you know, like a like a – Conference USA team and um, and Appalachian State playing uh, one of the teams from you know their previous uh, seasons in their schedule as well.
2: You want to see uh, App State play a uh, football game inside Jordan Hare Stadium and get someone that's not Auburn?
4: No, 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 no. I was I was going to say that Auburn can play like you know another university, you know, uh-huh. instead of playing like Troy. I would like to see like Auburn play against Tuskegee University or uh, Alabama State University. Oh, yeah. those two universities as well, but those two universities don't come up. I'll probably see like Auburn play against Georgia Tech, and actually, during halftime, that should, uh, you know, have like some of the older, like you know, you know, like have like the the history of the game and. Who who used to who's like the the commentators for each year's uh like each like do like a little timeline of each game of you know, of how how Georgia and uh Georgia Tech and Auburn uh play, you know, over the years as Time goes
2: on. I see. You, you kind of confused us there because you said you wanted to, these were some games you wanted to see inside Jordan-Hare Stadium next year, and, and then you said Alabama play uh, Alabama A&M, and I, uh, we were yeah, kind of confused for a second, Jace, but now I think we just see what you're talking about.
4: Yeah, because, you know, I, I would like to, you know, see, like, other universities play in their own stadiums instead of coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium. You I know, see. Like, like, Auburn plays at Auburn and plays Georgia Tech for, like, a you know, like a like a like a exhibition uh, game as well, and then have all the fans uh, dress up in uh, in their pajamas. You know, just to do like the iconic uh, rec tech. Uh, you know, thing that that Georgia Georgia Tech and Auburn actually did uh, years ago. I think that was like in the 80s or 90s. I'm not quite sure, but I'll probably find the year uh, for you all, and I'll tell you all about that on uh, next week's segment as well.
1: All right, that does sound good. Do you have any uh, any quick final thoughts for us before we let you go?
4: Um. Well, my quick final thought is that I hope we have good weather this weekend. I'm hoping and praying that we have great weather for this big game because I am very excited to see some of the new uh, recruits that are going to be coming in, and maybe I get a chance to, you know, meet them and uh, introduce myself to them.
1: Uh, that, I'm sure that would be very exciting. We just hope that, like you, that the weather uh, does hold off. It is not looking good on the forecast, but uh, we will we will hope for the best.
4: Yes, because I mean, if, if it rains, I'm still I'm still going to push right through it. And I've been waiting for this game, uh, and I'm going to have uh a lot of fun is whether it's in the whether it's dry or wet i'm still going to be there to support you freeze and and see what the season is going to look like
1: and we hope a lot of people uh, will join you out there and we hope that there's still a good crowd despite the weather well james we appreciate you calling in again we'll have another short show tomorrow but uh, if you want to give us a call tomorrow and have another quick conversation with us we would look forward to that all right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank. Phone line, again, just four or five minutes left here in the show today. Again, just this this time of year, uh, and we do apologize that we're not able to carry out the full shows, but uh, between Auburn University stuff and then our array of high school offerings, we uh, just just have some shortened shows, and uh, we, we appreciate everyone for bearing with us through that. Before we get to our nightly TV guide, I did want to bring up again Auburn Baseball taking on Texas A&M this weekend, uh, weather permitting, of course, and then Auburn Softball in Gainesville. The weather should be much drier and, well, (laughs) much stickier and warmer and less rain uh, in Gainesville this week, and so should be getting those softball games in, but a uh, very interesting series for both these teams, Brooks. A uh, uh, Florida team struggling a little bit compared to their standard in softball. An opportunity for Auburn maybe to get something done on the road. And then for Auburn baseball, uh, the Texas A&M team right there with them in the SEC baseball standings through three series, despite the fact that A&M was ranked pretty highly at one point this year. So... These are kind of series where it could go either way. Auburn could win or lose either of these series, and and that makes for a really interesting... Uh, set of games if we can get all these played this weekend
2: yeah and uh, between the two series I think the more important one is for Auburn baseball to come through and get a series win if you said only one of these two can win a series this weekend I would say the more important one is Auburn baseball getting a series win because Auburn softball they've done their job so far through the first uh you know few weeks of conference play got two out of three on the road at Georgia you swept uh Missouri a few a couple weeks ago you sweat or you you took two out of three from Ole Miss here at home against the the, uh, uh, the Rebels of Ole Miss, and so you're you're in a good spot when in, with your conference play right now with your Auburn softball, Auburn baseball. Like you said, Texas A&M, Auburn neck and neck, literally neck and neck in everything right now. It is they're three and both three and six in conference play. Overall, Auburn is eighteen ten and one, Texas A&M is eighteen and eleven. At home, Auburn is fourteen four and one. Texas A&M is 14 and 7 on their home record, and on the road, Auburn is 2 and 6 on the road. Texas A&M is 2 and 3 on the road, so they're they're so they've they're very much mirroring each other right now. And if you're Auburn, you're coming off of that that weekend that got started really well last week, and I thought the uh, on, on last. Friday, I think we were talking about, I thought the, the game that Auburn could win, possibly win against that Florida series, was when Tommy Vale was going on Sunday. Well, they flipped the script. Will Cannon came out and had an absolute wonderful start to his uh, outing on Friday night, the bats came alive. They were able to win that game, and then the rest of the weekend kind of went downhill for, for the Tigers. They were in it on Sunday, and then you just you kind of ran out of gas there in the middle part of that baseball game and, and lost that series. But when coming off of that, the disappointing end to last weekend, you really want to come in, win at least two out of three against this Texas A&M team at home and get yourself right back in there with into the uh in the driver's seat there to try to maybe get that uh be you know put yourself if if all goes well if you win two out of three you could put yourself at third in the west behind arkansas who's six and three lsu six and three um and everybody else you know alabama auburn texas they number all three and six so you can separate yourself a little bit and uh it it's you know you're getting to the point where you're starting to have to worry about seating in that SCC tournament so big weekend for both batted ball sports a uh, big, is very important weekend for Auburn baseball, specifically at home against a team that you should be able to take two out of three from.
1: In six forty-five airtime for Auburn baseball inside of Plainsman Park against Texas A and M, right over on our sister station FM Talk ninety-three point nine. Auburn softball against Florida. JJ Jackson on the call. Our good brother uh, will be at four forty-five airtime. 5 o'clock first pitch in Gainesville. And, again, also want you to tune in at times, too, over on 99.9 Kate FM Smith Station High School Baseball. They've got the Auburn High Tigers for a doubleheader uh, over their uh, games in Auburn tonight. So a lot going on on our airwaves this evening. But before we get to all of that, let's get you a nightly TV guide.
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide sports calls nightly tv guide presented by
1: white claw hard seltzer brooks i'm going to be 100% honest with you yep. i don't know if you're going to recall this or not yep there was a channel listed on yesterday's tv guide had absolutely no idea what it was and
2: was it home alone yeah stars on core
1: stars on core that's they combined yep i thought those were two different channels that's
2: stars on core
1: yeah, see, I didn't know. So, if anyone was looking for that and they couldn't find it because of me, well, that's on me. But anyway, uh, tonight's TV guy, what we got?
2: Well, we're gonna give you one movie pick for tonight. Five o'clock, USA Network. It is X Men Apocalypse, another uh, edition of the X Men series. Great movie. I highly recommend if you want to watch that. A little early evening action. Uh, because we are getting off the air a little bit earlier. 5 o'clock, ESPNU, some high school basketball tonight. Curtis taking on Roselle Catholic. It is the opening game of the State Champions Invitational in Washington, D.C., so some good high school basketball taking place tonight. NBA action tonight, 6.30 on TNT. The Miami Heat visit the Philadelphia 76ers, followed at 9 o'clock by the Denver Nuggets visiting the Phoenix Suns. So some good NBA action for you. 7 o'clock, ESPNU. Florida takes on Tennessee in a big SEC baseball game tonight. That series getting started from Lindsey Nelson Stadium up there in Knoxville. Also at 7.30 tonight, NCAA men's hockey. The Frozen Four is in Tampa, Florida. Second game of the night, Michigan taking on Quinnipiac. That's at 7.30 on ESPN. A dose. And of course, as we mentioned, a lot of Auburn sports on tonight. 5 o'clock SEC Network, Auburn takes on Florida in softball. Then at 7 o'clock, Texas A&M takes on Auburn. Both of those are on the SEC Network. Uh, and then the Atlanta Braves home openers tonight, 620 Bally Sports Southeast against the San Diego Padres, also on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. And that is a look at your nightly TV guy brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer.
1: I forgot about, about AUD. All four of our stations will have batted ball sports on this evening. Brooks, thank you for that. Thank yep. you for being here today. See you tomorrow. And of course, we thank all those that tuned in and called in today as well. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaBoy. Have a great Thursday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.